listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. and touches and changes that we would never leave the same way in which we came in. But God, you would change us, transform us, renew us in every way. God, we give you the liberty just to mess with us right now. God, we give you the liberty, God, to change us in every area, in every way. We just give you the freedom and the control, the authority of our lives right now. And we thank you for that and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. Come on, turn to someone around you say, good morning. Good morning. We had, we had a rougher night last night. Any parents in here know what it's like to have sick kids? It doesn't leave good for a good night's sleep. Judah was throwing up last night. So every time he moved last night, I'm like jumping, thinking, here we go. We're going to be covered. But it was okay. He's doing a lot better. So just keep him in your prayers. And Kelly, they're at home today. But just want to thank you for that. And keep me in your prayers. Hopefully I won't fall asleep on you this morning. And um, I'm sure, how many, believe, how many would think that would have to be something for me to fall asleep while I'm preaching? I don't stand still long enough um, to be able to fall asleep, and we're not going to have that today. But we've got another action-packed message for you as we dive back into the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I love the Bible, true or false, and we've really been looking at that. And today we're going to discover how the Bible is real and how much it can be trusted, how much you can build your life upon it through evidence. And through the evidences that we're going to talk about today, the Bible has been proven to be more than just a book. It's the Word of God. It's the written Word of God, and not just words, but words accompanied by power to accomplish the things that God has said. And today I want to jump straight into this because we've got a lot of ground to cover. If you did not receive one of these message notes that Miss Nancy did a great job with, put your hand up. We want to get one to you because I want everyone to follow along and we just want to make sure that everyone has got one. So keep your hand up till you get those. There should be some pens around about you in in the pockets in front of you or all around there and just different things like that. But let me remind you while we're handing them out of our goal. Here's our goal through this series. Are you ready? Here's the goal. The goal is this. We want you to love the Word of God. So you will read the Word of God And then you will want to live the Word of God. So our goal is to make you love what you have. One of the greatest tools that you have in your hands is the Word of God. It's the Bible. We don't use it. The percentage of people that don't read the Bible is alarming. And it's not really, um, it's alarming in the fact, I wish there was more, but it's not surprising when you see the evidence of people's lives. Because people are not living according to the Word. And you can't live according to something you don't read. You don't put it into your life. So I encourage you, join with us on a daily reading plan. Who, who's a part of our daily reading plan through the Word of God with us? Come on, a lot of hands not up. It's not too late today to start a daily plan. Go on version. It's a free app on your phone again. Go on there and start loading a daily reading plan that you can be a part of. We're going to start again in 2 Timothy 3.16, and I'm going to read from the New Living translation. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God. If you could give me that scripture, please, that would be great. All scripture is inspired by God. It's from God to us. But how do we know that? How can we prove that? Today, we're going to give you seven ways and each of them on their own is going to be good enough. Each of them on their own can stand the test to prove the infallibility. infallibility. That's the word I put in my wife's teeth this morning. Sorry about that. The infallibility, that means that it's not what? Wrong. It is fully 
right, that it's truth, that it's true. And read on it, it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, it is useful. Say with me, useful. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are doing wrong and teaching, teaches us to do what is right. In other words, it's useful and very important. The Word of God is very important. So today we're going to look at a subject called apologetics. Apologetics is really just a posh word for a reasoned arguments or writing in justification of something. I'm not an apologetic person in the fact of doesn't mean I don't apologize for doing wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not one of my strengths. This is not one of my fortes in my ministry. So therefore, I've had to lean very heavily on other people who are specialists in this. But again, proven to be true. So again, a lot of the information we're going to cover today is going to come from other sources that are a great encouragement and going to give great strength to each and every one of our lives. So how can I know that the Bible is true? Bible, true or false? How can I know that it can really be trusted? Another scripture, Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by what? No means pass away. The world will change, in other words. If you don't realize that, just open up your eyes. Turn on the news for five minutes. The world is changing all around us. Things are different to what they used to be. The gap between Christianity and just life is so far apart now. It used to be that most everyone believed in God. Now it's just such a big gap and such a big rift. Why? Because heaven and earth will pass away. They're going to change, but only one thing remains constant, and that's God's Word. God's Word is a truth that doesn't ever need to change. Hold that thought because we're going to come back to it. So we're going to look at seven ways today that we can know that the Bible is proven to be tried and tested. Here's the first way. Here's your first blank. It is historically accurate. It is historically accurate. It's not just made up stories. It's accounts that history has proven over and over Again, Psalms 33 verse 4 from the NIV version says this, The word of the Lord is right and true. It is right and true. And history has proven that. In the secular world, I'm not just talking about the spiritual, the Christian world. I'm talking in the secular world, there are actually three tests that they put things through to see if they are proven true historically speaking. If you've watched God's Not Dead 2, anyone watch that movie? If you haven't, you need to watch it. You will see some of these tests that are explained as they are in the courtroom and they are talking about the secular tests that prove that the Word of God or any historical event is true. So here's the three tests. Are you ready? The first test is this. Were there eyewitness accounts? They look at the stories historically and they ask, was there eyewitness accounts to this? Most of the Bible is written by people who were actually there and saw it for themselves. Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He was there. He didn't write of something someone told him. He saw the Red Sea part. He saw them walk through on dry ground. He saw Pharaoh's army pursue them and come into the middle of the ocean. He saw as he stretched his hands out that the sea engulfed back over them. He saw as he struck a rock in the middle of a wilderness where there was no water, that rock came out. First-hand eyewitness accounts for what he is writing. It's the same with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What did they write from? Another person's experience? No. Their eyewitness account of seeing Jesus heal the blind man, of seeing Jesus come to Zacchaeus' house as DJ Ray. They witnessed that first-hand So that's the first test. Is this an eyewitness account? Secondly, how accurate is the copy? If this is the manuscript, is this is what we have recorded and written down, how do we know we can trust the evidence that we hold in our hands today? 
It's amazing that those who God entrusted to copy, to write down the scribes, the scholars, those that he used to copy his word, did it so meticulously. What you've got to understand is they didn't even do it by words. They did it by letters. By letters. Any of you ever played telephone when you were a kid? Anyone remember that? I I had to talk to Molly about this because in England we call it Chinese whispers. I don't know why. I guess by the end because it sounds a different language. I don't know. But we call it Chinese whispers. But telephone, you would do it in a class or at a group. Remember what you would do? You would whisper in someone's ear and then what would they do? They would whisper in the next person's ear and it would go all the way around the room. And it was never what? The same it came in to when it came out. Everyone would laugh and like, man, how did that? I don't know. That's what you told me. No, I didn't tell you that. You see, so a lot of time when we think about copying the word of God, we think, oh, it was told to someone else and whispered. So that's why it was changed. No, that's not how we got the word of God today. Eyewitness accounts wrote it down. But then it was copied and transcribed by people who were so meticulous. Listen to this. Their standard was so great that with, for example, the Pentateuch, the first five books, they knew in every book what the middle letter was of that book. So from that middle letter in that book, someone would check and they would count backwards and they would count forwards. And if the backward and forward number did not tally up, they didn't say, oh, we have a problem here, let's find the problem. They destroyed it and trashed it because it wasn't accurate enough. Think about that. It maybe took someone weeks, months, maybe even years to do all of that. But if it didn't line up perfectly, it wasn't no good at all. And we can see that and thank God for that because, again, we can say, well, how do we know now? Back in the 1940s, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were some of the original documents that were written in reference to the Word of God. And when they have examined those to what we have in our hands today as the Word of God, they have found that they are a complete copy of what was written all those centuries and thousands of years ago. So man tests how accurate is the copy? How accurate is the copy? Which leads us to the third test. The third test is this. Is there archaeological confirmation? Have we been able to discover the ruins? Have we been able to find things? And then the answer is yes. There has been proven over and over again as they have dug throughout all those regions and those areas through excavation. They have found the Bible to be true. Listen to this. Even up to the beginning of the 19th centuries, there was an area of people called the Hittites. They were a group of people that were recorded in the Bible. But up till the early 1900s, they had not found any record of these people. So some people kind of scratching their head and concerned about that, saying, I don't know about that stuff. But in the early 1900s, they discovered through a dig exactly what the Word of God had said. And they discovered an entire race of people with all the facts, with everything laid out to prove just the faithfulness and the rightness of the Word of God, the validity of God's Word and everything that is true. So what do we see? On your notes, there should be a little box beside each test. You know what you can do in each one of those boxes? You can check, check, and you can check. Because every one of those tests historically has proven true to the Word of God. Here's the second one. The second one is this. It is scientifically accurate. That's your second blank. Scientifically accurate. Let's start by reminding ourselves of this thought. Who created this world? God. God created it all. God didn't just make a part of it. God made everything of it. Man likes to take credit for what we think we've made, but all we've made is chaos and havoc. God made perfection and beauty. God made this world. He's the creator of it. So what do we see through the ages? Man's science. Man's question, man's reasoning hasn't always followed God's way. They've had their own ideas, they've had their own theories of creation, evolution. All these things, man has had his theories that don't line up with God's word. But every 
time, God's way and not man's belief has proven to be true. Who would agree with me here that it would be safe to say that science has evolved? Science has evolved. Who would agree with me with that? What people originally thought as certain things has changed as more information has been given and they've come back and said, well, what we thought was completely wrong and this is the right way. We see even that in our day, in our lives, in what people have said and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but even in our lives, in the short years that we've been here, just ways and things they've said, well, what used to be good for you is not good for you anymore and you can't do this and you can't do that any longer. Science has evolved, but the truth is still the same. Look at this scripture, Psalms 148, verse 5 and 6, New Living Translation. It says, Let every created thing praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. And He made a decree which shall not pass Away. Let every created thing give praise for the Lord, for He issued His command. And at the command of God, life came into being, and God set them into place. Forever and forever, His decree has never been revoked. It never needs to change. What God set when He created, we said He created this world. What God set in place right there and then, forever and forever, it doesn't have to be revoked or changed. God's way never changes. Now, I know that the Bible itself is not a book of science. It's not a science book. But there is science in the Bible that we see that supports, once again, the truth and the reality of God's Word. On your notes, you'll see this. In 1861, the French Academy of Science They presented 51 scientifical facts that controverted the Word of God. Controverted means to deny the truth of. 51 evidences, they believed, scientifically, that showed that the Word of God wasn't true. However, since then, it says today there is not a scientist in the world who believes a single one of those 51 so-called scientific facts that were originally published as controverting the Word of God. And that's not from a Christian, but Google it for yourself. There's not one scientist today that would say any one of those 51 facts is correct. Because every one of them through science has proven that the Word of God is true. Did you catch what I said? Every one has proven God's Word to be scientifically correct. I like how one pastor looks at it when he talks about science for the Bible. He says, perhaps the Bible, or perhaps what the Bible doesn't say, speaks louder than what the Bible says. Let me say that again. Perhaps what the Bible doesn't say scientifically speaks louder than what it says. And let me explain that. What man believed to be right and factual scientifically, at times that when the Bible was written, we do not see those accounts or those opinions of man recorded or listed in the Word of God. Science has evolved. So centuries ago when they wrote the Word of God, their beliefs would have been in the book if it was something they wrote. Because that's what everyone believed of that day. But we never see what man thought back then in the Word of God. Let me prove it to you. Let me give you some examples. Man used to believe that the earth was flat. In fact, it wasn't until 1492, I believe it was, that Columbus sailed from Spain and he sailed across the Atlantic Ocean and once and for all proven to the world that that was just a myth that the world was flat. They thought you would get to the end and boom, you would just fall off the end of the earth. But if they would have read God's Word, they would have known from the beginning that that was not true. Look what Isaiah 40 verse 22 says from the NIV version. It says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. 
That word circle there is where we get the word globe from. Oh, I wonder what earth is. It's a globe. Where does God sit? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Why did not the earth be flat come into the word of God? Because that's what man thought up till the 1400s. Why is that not recorded in there? Because man did not write the word of God. God wrote his word. And I talked about the fact that truth doesn't change. And let me use this example of the world being flat because I believe it really can help illustrate this point. Because man has said, you can document, and it's been documented, you can Google it. Man says that truth changes. Most man would say that truth changes. And one of the things that they would say changes truth is the example of the world being flat. But I want to ask you three questions in reference to that. Are you ready? Number one, what was man's first verdict of the earth? Flat or round? Flat. Come on. Man's first verdict was that the earth was flat. Okay, that's the answer. Okay, here's the second question. Is the earth flat or round? Now we know it's not flat, which we originally thought, but now we know it is round. Here's the third question. Just because man's knowledge has changed, did man's knowledge change the fact that the earth was never not round? So what are you saying? Truth doesn't change. The only thing that changes is man's interpretation to it. Because man now says, okay, the earth is round. The earth has always been round. But man's truth for years was it was flat. But God's truth is it's always been round. So truth doesn't have to change. It's the interpretation of man getting the proper information. And it's amazing, if man would have just read the Word of God, the answer's right there for all to see. We just read it today. Here's another one. Man and scientists believe that the earth had to be held up. Has anyone ever seen that image of Atlas? Atlas. We, we can just think that's a man holding up a globe. No, that's what the Greeks believed. They believed that the world had to be held up by a man. Atlas was that which held up the world. The Hindu faith and the Hindu religion, they believe something different. They believe that the earth or the globe was on the back of an elephant that was on the back of a turtle that was on the back of a sea serpent that swam out in the ocean. Think about that. That's what they believed. And the Egyptians that we can look at and their archaeological finds and just everything that they are, their architectural, their, the, the Egyptians were labeled really as a brilliant people. But yet the Egyptians thought that the world was held up by five columns, five individual pillars that held the world in place. What do we know about Egypt? Remember the story of a little boy, Moses, who was put in a bulrush and he was put in a basket and he was put down in the Nile River. And in the bulrushes, he was found by who? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter took him as her own. Moses was raised as a child of Pharaoh. The Bible speaks that he was taught and trained in the ways of the Egyptians. What was one of the ways of the Egyptians? The world was held up by five columns and five pillars. It's amazing when you would look through the books that he writes, five books in total. Moses never once being trained and taught in those ways, never once records that as being factual or truth, because it's not. And in fact, the oldest book of the Bible historically is the book of Job. And look what the oldest book of the Bible says. Job 26 verse 7. It says, He stretches out the north over empty space, and He hangs the earth on nothing. 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 The NIV version says he suspends the earth over nothing. We know that to be true now. We've seen pictures from space. We've seen the earth, the globe, hanging in the middle of nothing. But when the Bible was written, man did not have that knowledge or understanding. They believed it to be held up by different things. But why do we not see that in the Word of God? Because man did not write the Word of God. 
God wrote his word. What about medical science? Medical science has changed. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. I know Kelly and I just, we had a new baby two and a half years ago. And it's amazing how many things had changed in the years since we had a child. Don't give them a pacifier now. Don't swaddle them like this. Don't lay them on their face. Don't have a pillar in the crib. Don't have bumpers all around the crib. Don't feed them this. Don't feed them. Man, I'm looking and saying, how did my other kids ever make it? I mean, if I did everything wrong back then, why? Because medical science, medical information has perhaps changed almost more than anything scientifically. So look at this. In, in, in 460 BC, there was a man born that is called Hippocrates. Hippocrates, if you would Google him, and, and, and I challenge you, that's why I wrote it down. Go and Google this stuff for yourself. I Googled it. I looked at it all. Hippocrates is known as labeled as the father of medicine. And in his conclusions, in his writings, in what he led for medicine, he concluded that good health required a perfect balance of the four humors in the human body. And any deficiency of these directly influenced your temperament and your health. What are the four humors of the human body? It's blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. This actual thought that he has is called humorism. Look at it for yourself. Humorism. You can Google it for yourself. And it was believed for thousands of years that these levels, if they were wrong in the body, it would cause sickness and pain in the body. So one of the treatments that they would use is what they called bloodletting. Has anyone ever heard of bloodletting? It's pretty interesting that your first president, George Washington, actually died from bloodletting. Because what they believed was, if there was an excessive amount of one of those fluids in the body, then the body was sick. So they would literally cut open an artery and let the blood pour out. They would even use leeches that they would put on people's bodies to suck the blood out of their bodies because they believed that would cure sickness and disease. Now the opposite is true. Because if you get sick now, they're giving you transfusions. They're giving you blood. They're giving you more blood. Why? Because we now know life is in the blood. Do you know that the Bible has always said that? Look what it says in Leviticus 17 verse 11. New Living Translation. It says at the end, For life is in the blood." For the life of the body is in its blood. Why was the Bible not influenced by the father of medicine? And all these people that believed and taught all these theories of that day. Why? Because the Bible wasn't written by man. It was written by God. God did it. Science has proven the truth. To the word of God. And remember, we're giving you seven reasons, and each one of these on their own can pretty much support themselves. They can support themselves. Here's my favorite one, number three. It is prophetically accurate. That's your next blank, prophetically accurate. What is prophecy? Prophecy is something spoken and recorded before it happens, a prediction. Everyone with me on that? Prophecy is something, you can't prophesy of something that happened. You're prophesying of something that's going to happen in the future. So prophecy is out there. If you would look at the Bible and specifically the Old Testament, it is full of prophecy. In fact, there are over 1,000 prophecies in the Word of God. And listen to me, over 1,000 prophecies throughout the entirety. What a risk. For man to even put one of those things in if man wrote the word. Because how could man predict what was going to happen? How could man know what was ahead? You see, for man to put what they thought in and it not come true, it would make everything false. So man did not predict those things. They spoke under the unction of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because just to miss one would discredit it all. Do you know that the Bible alone 
has over 300 prophecies just about Christ. Just about Jesus. And listen to this. The last prophecy for Christ was spoken 400 years before He was born. They were spoken over a period of over 1,000 years and the last one 400 years before he was born. Think about this. It would be like someone predicting your birth coming over on the Mayflower. How would they know about your life? They wouldn't even know who you were because you wouldn't come for another 300 plus years because you wouldn't have been born at that time. How could man predict such a thing? They would have no idea of such a person. There is no way that man could predict those things. And if you would look at the over 300 prophecies of Jesus, these aren't just circumstances. I mean, these aren't just kind of, they're say, just small things. They are so detailed. If you would look through them, it would talk about where he would be born and how he would be born. It would talk about how his parents would have to flee Egypt. It would talk about how he would ride on a donkey into Jerusalem. Specific, specific words. And listen to this. In Psalms 22, David prophesied that Christ would be crucified. Now listen to me. 400 plus years before crucifixion was even something that was known on this earth. It wasn't a known form of torture or death. The Romans brought it in 400 years after the death of David. How would someone know to predict something like that if it was not written from God? In fact, in Psalms 22, there are four major prophecies that David gives. Here's one of them, that he would be ridiculed. That he would be ridiculed. What do we see? They laughed at him. They spat at him. They beat him. And you've got to understand this. The devil's not trying to confirm all these things because the devil then would only prove the truth of the reality of these things. Satan's tried to destroy these and we're going to get there. But the truth remains the same. The second prophecy we see through David is this. His hands and feet were pierced. Crucifixion. The third thing we see of David in just this one psalm was they cast lots for his clothing. And the fourth thing that we see, and it's actually the first recorded words of Psalms 22. And it says, Father, why have you forsaken me? He quotes perfectly the words of Christ as he would hang upon a cross centuries later. Man did not write this book. God wrote this book. Peter Stoner, he actually wrote a book called Science Speaks. He compared biblical truth with established scientific data. To, to, to make it right, he brought 600 researchers together. He brought in scientists from 12 different classes. These guys were probability experts. Let me explain probability to you. I'm going to try and help you here right now. Probability is in this bucket right here, there are 10 golf balls. One of them is green. What is the probability for Robert if he were to close his eyes and to put his hand in there and to grab one of the golf balls to pull out that which was the green one? Pull it out. What is the probability of that? Probability is 1 in 10. We made it easy for you because we put it on the top. The probability of that is 1 in 10. Peter Stoner, along with 600 researchers, looked at eight prophecies of Christ. Just eight out of over 300. They took eight of those. Look at the prophecies they chose. They were specific ones. Here's what they chose. They chose eight prophecies about Christ. The first one they chose was that he would be born in Bethlehem. That he would be preceded by a messenger. That he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. That he would be betrayed by a friend. That he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. That the money they used to buy him would be used to purchase the potter's field. That he would stand silent before his accusers. And he would be executed and killed by crucifixion as a thief. 
Just eight prophecies. And if you would look on those prophecies there, on the first scripture recorded after each is the prophecy, and then the next one is the fulfillment. And for most of them, they were prophesied and fulfilled in more than two or three scriptures, most of them. Prophesying the same thing. So they took eight prophecies of Christ. And here's the conclusion that you can read on Google. Google it. Research it for yourself. He says, here is our conclusion. We find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled all these prophecies, eight of them, is one to the power of 17. Any man to have lived from that time when it was first recorded up till right now. And we know Jesus didn't live that long on this earth. So any man, the probability is one to the 17th power. That's a one with 17 zeros behind it. You want to know how big that number is? Luke, have you got that silver dollar? Can you open it for me, please? Luke's got a silver dollar at home that I wanted to borrow. See the silver dollar here. If you were to take one to the 17th power and purchase a silver dollar for every one of those numbers, there is no building or warehouse that has ever been built in this world that could hold every one of those coins. In fact, the only way that you could hold each and every one of those coins is to take the entire state of Texas and fill the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Listen to me, it's proven. This is just eight prophecies. We're not talking about 300. Just for man, a man, to fulfill eight of these, you would have to have the whole state of Texas filled. And Texas is a big state. We're two feet thick with silver dollars. And then you would take one, just like Robert did, and you would put a red cross on it, and you would put that right into the middle, mixed up somewhere in the state of Texas, and you were to take someone in a helicopter and blindfold them and ask them to fly out over the middle of that state and at any time stop and land and put their hand down and grab. That's the probability of them finding the marked coin for just eight prophecies. Can I take you one step further? They did other research and they looked out, let's double that, let's do 16 prophecies, just 16. They discovered that if they were to do 16 prophecies, that would be one to the 45th power. One to the 45th power. You want to know how much that is if you were to purchase single dollars for that? You wouldn't need Texas, you wouldn't even need America. The whole world itself would not be big enough to hold every coin that it would take to do that. In fact, if you took every coin of one to the 45 and you made them and put them together in a round globe, listen to me, that globe or that sphere would reach 60 times further than the earth to the sun. The diameter of that globe would be 5.5 billion miles. And just one coin in the middle of all of that, you would have to pick out. If you were to get on an aeroplane right now, they say, and fly around that sphere, the size of it, it would take man today in the fastest plane that had ever been made over 400 years just to go all the way around the size of that globe. That's just 16 out of 300 prophecies. What am I telling you today? that prophetically the word of God is true. There is no way man says that man could fulfill even a smallest portion of them if it was something that man predicted, but man did not predict it because God did it and his word. And hey, Peter Stoner and then went on and looked at others, 32, and they had to use, they had to use, what do you call those, microns and eons and all those because it was too big for anything else. In his word, they said, by the scientific affiliation of America and every member and by the executive council, we find these findings to be proven true. 
Look what the Word of God says. I love, let's go back to the Word of God. 2 Peter 1 verse 21, NIV says this, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Notice it didn't come from humans. Humans wrote it as what? They were instructed by God's Holy Spirit. Jesus said this too. Jesus said, you can trust this. Matthew 26, 56, he says, but this is all happening to fulfill the works of the prophets as is recorded in the scripture. Jesus said that. All this is happening to fulfill what has already been spoken. Almost every prophecy has been fulfilled. There are only a few left and the few that are left are of the coming of Christ, the end days. And we see this, the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the Bible. Revelations 22 and verse 6, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Man did not write it. God did. And let me say this, the few prophecies that are left, make sure you're on the right side of them because eternity is a long time of separation away from God. And let me add this, every 300 prophecy of Christ has already been fulfilled. Every one has been fulfilled. Are you still with me today? Let's just fly through the end of this. Number four is it's thematically unified, thematically unified. That word thematically is your blank there. It means of or relating to a theme. And the subject of God's word is Jesus Christ. I talked a lot about this last week, so I don't want to talk much about it today, but it was written, the word of God, over a 1500 year time span. 40 different writers over one dozen countries in three continents and three different languages with no contradiction. How can that be? Because the Bible had 40 writers, but only one author, one author, God. There is no way a book could be written by 40 different people over that period of time and still have the same theme with no contradictions. Come on, the theme of the Word of God is the story of salvation, the redemption of man, the life and the peace that we have, and the what? The eternal home that we have, eternity with Him. You see, what the Old Testament commenced, the New Testament completes. Because the Bible, one led into the other. Nothing contradicting but validating. Two people in a room can't even agree together. Put two people in a room 1,500 years separate from each other. There's no way they're going to agree together, especially because they don't know what each other is going to write. So what do we know? Thematically, the Word of God is totally unified. Number three, number five, number five. It is trusted, trusted, trusted as your blank. It is trusted by Jesus himself. Many people have said, and I've heard this many times, oh, I love Jesus, I believe in him, but all that other stuff, I'm not sure about that. The truth and the reality is this, you can't trust Jesus without trusting the rest of the Bible. You've got to either believe it or not. You've got to either trust it or not. Matthew 5.18 says, For truly I tell you that until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is is accomplished. In other words, that's Jesus speaking. He said this, the whole Bible can be trusted. There is nothing that cannot be trusted in it. Don't let your lack of understanding stop you with that. Well, I don't understand all this. Again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I don't understand digestion, but it doesn't stop me from eating. I don't understand how my car works, but I still put my key in every time. I don't understand all the ignition process and and just all the parts of the engines. I don't know all that. Mechanics do. I don't. But just because I don't understand it all doesn't mean I can't drive a car and own a car and use that to get me where I'm going. Come on, have an understanding of the Word of God. In a world when everything is changing... Look to the Word of God that never changes. It is truth that will fit your life. You see, a lot of people want to fit your life into, you know, 
They want to fit the Bible rather into our lives and say, okay, I'll make it work. No, no, no. You need to fit your life into the Word of God. Because who can you trust the most, God or yourself? Trust Him. Trust His Word. Here's a great statement. Listen to this. If you believe what you like and don't believe what you don't like, it's not the Bible you believe and trust in. It's yourself. Think about that. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right. There is a way that's either His way or my way. There's only two ways. My choice following God's way. What does the Bible say? My way, man's way, ends in death. Yes, maybe I don't get it all, but I choose to trust it all. Because if Jesus trusted the word, if he spoke about the word, then I can place my trust in the word. Number six, it has survived. Next blank, it has survived all attacks. When you think about the attacks it survived, maybe you need to take one step back and ask yourself this, why has it been so attacked? Why so attacked? Why has the world done everything within its power to disrupt and to destroy the word of God? I'm telling you why, because the enemy wants to keep you from the life it wants to be for your life. He doesn't want you to build your life upon it. The word of God is the most despised, the most derided, denied, disputed, dissected, debated, outlawed and destroyed book ever. But yet, it's still here. But yet it is still here. No matter what man has done, it is still the most printed and read book ever. And here's why. It's not just a book. First Peter 1, 24 and 25, reading from the last part of 24, it says, The grass withers and its flower falls away. Verse 25, But the word of the Lord endures forever. The devils tried to stop it and snuff it out, but the grass may wither and the flower may fall, but the word of God will what? Endure forever. And it needs to be the final authority of our lives. You got to ask yourself, what's the authority of my life? Is it the world or the word? Is it the world or is it the word? It's got to be the final authority because it survived. It's come under such attack. It's like a Timex watch. It's taken a licking and it's still on ticking. Come on now. It's still making it through because it's truth. Believe his word. Live by his word. Let it be the governing factor of your life. The final authority. It doesn't matter what I think. What does God's word say? That needs to be the final authority. Why? Because man's thoughts and man's ways have changed. But the Word of God, we've proven it today through every test. It's the same. It's been proven over and over again because man did not author the book. God authored the book. Man wrote it by the inspiration and leading of the Holy Spirit. So we've got to trust Him. And last but not least, here's the one that you can prove. This is one is for you. Number seven. It has transforming power. The blank is transforming power. In other words, the Word of God is life-changing. The Word of God is life-changing. John 8, 31 and verse 32 says, Then Jesus said to those who believed in Him, If you abide in my Word, don't go to church, don't pay your tithes, don't just be a Christian. All those things are important, don't get me wrong. But what did Jesus say? He didn't say abide in those things. He said, if you abide in my Word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. How do we know the truth? Through reading the Word, allowing it to transform our lives. We are living evidence. I like how the NIV version says, it says, if you hold on to my teachings. What we just read from the King James, it says, if you abide in them. Come on, I want to live in the Word. I don't want to let go of the Word because it's that which will change me. It will make me a better parent. It will make me a better husband. It will make me a better worker. It will make me a better friend, a better Christian. It will make me a better person and it will make my life better and the lives of those around me. Why? Because it has transforming power. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, last scripture today. Test all things. What have we done today? We've given you proof. We've proven to you the truth of God's word. Test all things. And what? Hold fast to what is good. You know what good is? God. 
hold fast to His Word. Believe His Word over anyone else and anything else. Make a commitment with your life. Pray, read, attend. Be a part of God's Word. Why? Because I know it will change your life. What did we tell you today? Here's seven reasons. Seven reasons why we know it's real and why we know it's trusted. How we know that God wrote it and not man. Would you bow your heads all over this place right now? Seven reasons. Seven reasons. I'm so glad today it's real. I'm so glad it's real. So glad it's real. And remember, each one of those proven thoughts can stand on its own. Historically, it's been proven. Medically, scientifically, it's been proven. Prophetically, that's my favorite right there, that one. Prophetically, it's been proven. And not with a Christian slant. Not to give away the movie, God's Not Dead, but the people attacked those that would stand and say the word of God was proven and true. They said, well, it's okay for you because you're a Christian. You're coming into it with a slighted belief. You're coming into it trying to prove something that you already agree. And the guy says, hold on a second. I never said that. Because when I came into this, I came to disprove the word of God. I came to prove without a shadow of doubt that it was a lie and it wasn't true. But everywhere I went and everywhere I looked and adding all the tests that I know to do as a, as a detective, adding all those things and putting all those things together, all it proved time and time again was that it was true. It was true. And the man said, and because of the truth I found in the word of God, I surrendered and gave my life to God. I didn't write it from a Christian side. But come on, by the time I finished my research, I realized there's only one side and I want to be on the Lord's side. I want to be a part of that which is true and proven and sure. I wonder today as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, what side are you on? What side are you on? Maybe you're still skeptical. Maybe you're still saying, oh, yeah, right. That's okay. You're just saying that because it's church. Listen, this message could be preached in any other building, in any other place, and it wouldn't make it a lie in any way, or it wouldn't change the message because the facts that we've given you today are truth. They're truthful. You see, a fact can change, but truth remains the same. And it's truth no matter where you look, and it's been proven. But the reality today is this. Why was God's word written? Why was the message of the word given to each and every one of us simply for this? Because God loves you. Because God wants to be in relationship with you. Because God wants to help you. So whose side are you on today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.